Brown Sailor. It's another episode of Metal Rock and Whiskey. Let's get on with this lunatic parade. Let's do it. For the new listeners out there, we sometimes compare two albums from one artist against each other. We discuss, usually argue, and pretty much most of the time professionally debate the merits. And in no, the we end, don't. no, we don't. No, we don't. I, I said pretty much most of the time. <laughs> debate the merits, and in the end, only one album or artist will reign supreme. That's right, Matt. That's exactly what we're doing tonight. Yay. Can you believe it? Wow. We're on a good you... streak. Yes, we are. If yep. you haven't guessed already, we will be discussing one of the original thrash metal bands, Exodus. And we will also be battling for of their albums against each other. I'm starting to see a pattern forming here. <laughs> uh, but before we get into all of that, Sailor, um, I think we have a guest tonight here, right? Um, could you please introduce him okay. to our listeners? Yes, Ed, we do. Um, hey, friends, please welcome my buddy, Wolfman Dave, who hosts his own podcast called That Metal Podcast. Welcome to the show. Guys, thank you so much. I appreciate it for having me on here. Thanks, Welcome, Dave. welcome. Thanks. Yeah, we're excited to have you. So, um, tell. So, we met in a Facebook group. So, yay for Facebook groups. They work sometimes. Right. Um, and uh, tell the listeners a little bit about your show, because I think we would have a lot of, um, our listeners would be fans of your show as well. Right. Yeah. So, basically started about a, early last summer. And it's basically, you know, got involved with alcohol and metal, as <laughs> you may know. And we just started... Good combo. Yeah, it's a great combo. <laughs> and we just started talking metal, and we decided, you know what? We're two metal geeks who love talking metal, and we just kind of... One thing led to another. And we discussed bands, their discography, um, um, different trends, news, um, and so we're we're scraping along we're getting there i think we're we're barely going to do uh episode 16 right now nice well uh-huh. it's, the beginning is is a little it can be rough as i think when you're in a group like we are on facebook you can see the people that are new at it and the people that are kind of veterans at it right. but if you stick with it maybe one day you'll end up like us with five listeners <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm gonna stick i'm gonna keep grinding it out <laughs> So but we love all five of you. We do love all That's five right. of you. And the yes. one the one Canadian listener that didn't leave us after yeah. constantly <laughs> ripping on the Canadians. <laughs> I think we might have lost all of South America after our bracket challenge, but oh well. <laughs> yeah, I think we did. <laughs> oh, that would have been the uh, Chili Peppers, right? Oh, jeez. Oh, oh, yeah. Let's not. We're not talking about it. We're the band that it. shall not be named from this we are turning. Onward. We are turning the page. Yes. <laughs> Moving along, um, so Wolfman Dave, tell us if you wouldn't mind, because we have recognized that um, this 
particular factor um, is kind of important to your uh, relationship with metal and music in general. How old are you? You don't have to say the exact age if you don't want to, but whereabouts? I'm 35. Okay. All right. So, Ed, you and I are still the old bogeys of the show. Uh, yes, we are. <laughs> you damn kids. Hi, the baby. <laughs> Little whippersnappers. <laughs> All right. Well, we are excited to have you for this discussion. Um, but before that, Matthew. It is great to have you here, Dave. Thank you. Uh, looking forward uh, to including you in our ever passionate debates that we have on the show. <laughs> um, but as Ed mentioned before, tonight we are discussing Exodus mm-hmm. and we'll be doing an album battle. Um, which albums, if you are curious, will let me tell you. We are battling four albums. It will be 1985's Bonded by Blood against 1987's Pleasures of the Flesh and then 1989's Fabulous Disaster and finally 1990's Impact is Imminent. But before we get into the backstory and battle, what does everyone have in their glass tonight? Ed, you want to start? Well, as I was telling Sailor earlier, right now... um... I am drinking water, but previously <laughs> I had been partaking of, I, I know this is, this is out of character for me, but I want to remain coherent for our guest tonight. <laughs> so, uh, but I, earlier I was partaking of some, um, this may not sound fabulous or great <laughs> when I mentioned, but there is a, uh, Budweiser edition called, uh, what is it called? Copper Lager. Yeah. Where they take the Budweiser. Called piss in a barrel. And they <laughs> finish it in Jim Beam bourbon barrels. Mm-hmm. And I just had to try it out. So I got some. And actually, it is really pretty good. And for yeah. the price, like it's like 10 bucks for a 12-pack. You can't beat it. It's pretty good. So, yeah. And I recommend that you try it if you seek it out. I know it was, I believe it was a limited run Mm -hmm. and um some of the stores are out of them but i did happen to run across some more today so i picked myself up a pack so that we're in a whiskey Mm -hmm. barrel shortage so i hate to see say this but i always am the one with the unpopular opinions if you're gonna give away your barrels jim beam don't give them a fucking budweiser (laughs) like give them to something useful fuck's sake (laughs) Yeah, thanks for the thanks for the recommendation. Ed. I'll be sure to skip that one. <laughs> oh damn! Woo, that's just, cold. Just kidding. Just kidding. Hey, all the more for me. <laughs> what about our guests? What are you drinking tonight, Dave? Um, leftovers from this past weekend. I bought a beers of Mexico pack, so I'm on uh, Tecate right now. And I will move on to Bohemia. Beautiful, beautiful mm. dark Pilsner. Actually, yeah, it is pretty dark. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Tecate for right now. Is that the blue Tecate? Is that the light? That is the light. The light, mm. okay. Yeah, it didn't come with the red label. Yeah. That's yeah. my favorite, the red label. Yeah. It is pretty good. Nice. Well, I am drinking out of my special glass. Can you guys see? Ooh. Oh, look at that. Wow. So exciting. I wish the listeners could cool. see that. Well, we'll take a picture of it. Actually, here. Someone take a picture of it. Screenshot that shit. <laughs> um, so, 
We just got in stickers and pins, which I'm very excited about. Um, we'll be getting in new, mer new merch all this month, you guys. So send us a message, DM us, send us an email, whatever, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, um, post in our group, and we will give you instructions on how you can get this cool stuff so you can be super cool like us before it's all gone. I am drinking Henry McKenna 10, actually. Oh, nice. Yeah, so... Um, so it, good. It's all the rage at the moment, which is mm. a little depressing because mm -hmm. often that means that a whiskey that used to be super affordable, um, easy to get anywhere, is probably going to be really expensive now because everybody's going to be looking for it because it won, was it Best American Whiskey? What was it? Best Whiskey in the World. In the Was it Best American yep. Whiskey in the World or Best no. Whiskey? No. Best Whiskey, oh, period. Wow. Well, whatever. I don't pay attention to these things. Who wins what? Well, I mean, double, double the price on that at least. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. you can walk into any distillery and they've got 10,000, you know, medallions of gold and silver and platinum because their whiskey won something or their rum or whatever. I don't take a lot of stock in it. I don't really give a shit. It does bum me out, though, because we've always known <laughs> that Henry McKenna 10 is freaking awesome and really yeah. easy to get and priced really, really well. So who knows? Um, it is just as yummy as I remember it being, although it's a, it seems a little bitey to me right now. But that could be because I went, what, two weeks without drinking anything. My palate could have just softened a little bit. But man, is that a butter popcorn and caramel bomb? Delicious. Another thing you got to keep in mind about that one is it's a single barrel. So chances are the one you're going to find on the shelf is probably not going to be the same one that they that won no. the competition. So I know, but still there for slight a 10-year single barrel, the price was amazing. Yeah. And oh, yeah. Very bucks, easy man. to get. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and really readily available everywhere. 40 bucks in Illinois, but still, well, yeah. still a good it, deal. It's, that's not going to be the case anymore, if you can even find it. So we'll, we shall see what happens. Um, and mm -hmm. wow, it's got really good legs, too. Matt, what about you? What are you drinking? Well, for the first time ever <laughs> in almost 60 episodes of oh, Metal Rock and Whiskey, I am drinking a very exotic, Far Eastern herbal tea. What? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm actually drinking tea oh. right now. What's wrong with My, you? My voice is a little hoarse, so it's a pony. Um, it's fucking stupid. That was a dad um, joke. If I ever yeah. did hear one. <laughs> but no, I am drinking green tea right now. My voice is a little is bothering me a little bit. Um, if it gets better throughout the recording, maybe I'll open something up later. But right now, I don't have anything whiskey wise. Pretty sure whiskey is gonna do your voice better than tea. But I know. What do I know? I just play a doctor on TV, so. I don't know. <laughs> All right, well, shall we start talking about Exodus, you guys? Sure. That's what I'm here for. Hey, let's, let's do it. All righty. So... Usually I say for those of you who don't know the band, and I'm really going to reiterate this point, so if you're just going to skip forward to hear the battle and you don't know much about the band, I would definitely say listen to this part because 
this band has a lot of connections to some other musicians and bands, I think, that you, that you would be surprised to hear. Um, so Exodus is an American thrash metal band formed in 1979 in Richmond, California. They have, of course, gone through numerous lineup changes and, sadly, deaths of two former bandmates. So throughout their whole career, they've got um, musicians changing constantly, as with most of the bands that we cover that last a long time. Um, They've released 10 studio albums since their formation, and along with Metallica, remember Kurt Hammett was an original member of Exodus, they are often credited as, as pioneers of the Bay Area thrash metal scene and have sold over 5 million albums worldwide. But first, let's hop into the way, way back machine. So the initial lineup of Exodus was formed in the late 1970s. It was Kurt Hammett, of course, and Tim Angelo, drummer vocalist Tom Hunting, vocalist Keith Stewart. They were all in high school together, and they eventually added bass guitarist Carlton Melson in 1980. They started off playing backyard parties and various school functions, which I find very funny. Um, <laughs> trying to imagine a backyard party with the early Exodus guys, what those <laughs> sounded like. <laughs> Um, but at the time, they actually started off playing mostly cover songs of 70 hard, 70s hard rock bands and new wave British heavy metal songs as they began writing their own material. So Stuart, Melson, and Ang- Agnello left the band pretty early on, and this left Exodus to form as a power trio until a repl- replacement was found um, in Hammett's friend and their roadie, Gary Holt. So in 1981, Hammett met Paul Balaf at a house party. They struck up a friendship based on their shared love for punk rock and 70s metal. So uh, Balaf then became the band's lead vocalist, and they were then ready to record a three-track demo in 1982, consisting of the songs Whipping Queen, Death and Domination, and Warlord. If you're a Metallica fan, you probably already know this would be Hammett's only recording with Exodus. And by the way, you can hear this demo in its entirety on YouTube. I would definitely suggest checking it out. We can put it in the show notes. So the band's sound began to develop at this time. They were incorporating elements of hardcore punk and the new wave British heavy metal that they loved so much. In November of 1982, Exodus opened at a show at San Francisco's old Waldorf venue for Metallica. And at the time, Metallica was very unknown and they were unsigned. Exodus began playing more shows in Bay Area clubs and gained a large and extremely loyal fan base. They were known for their violent shows. Now, I've read that so many times in bios about them. I'm not sure violent is the right term here, to be honest. Um, I did see Exodus pretty early on. I think it was 87 or 88. Um, And I've seen some, there was a home video we'll talk about later that was kind of like a document documentary sort of that was released in the 80s. Mm -hmm. It was just, there's just kids thrashing. They're thrashing. I don't think violence is the right term. I think back then it seemed violent, but I think it would be incorrect of us not to you know, qualify that point a little bit. So they were just known for very thrashy shows, let's say. I think that's more correct. Okay, so we're violent, so we're talking about the the crowds being violent as opposed to the band? We're talking about both. Here? And really, it's uh, it's just thrashy. extreme moshing or... Just thrashing. Yeah, they're not, like, they're not inciting riots. No, God, no. I would say... (laughs) All right, I just want to clarify. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to... Clarifying. Violence is a bad word. Yeah. Violence is a very bad word, but it's used <laughs> yeah. so, in so many of their bios. 
Uh-huh. Not like Guns N' Roses. I was just going to say, right. they're less violent than fucking Guns N' Roses. I mean, Great point, it was That's just thrashy. Good That's point. all. So, all right. So early 1983, we all know what's coming if we are Metallica fans. Kurt Hammett leaves Exodus to join Metallica. This left Gary Holt with no choice but to take creative control of the band. And I just want to kind of go down a rabbit hole here for a second. So I, 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 I'm, as I'm working on this, as I'm doing my research, I'm thinking to myself, so Kirk Hammett had creative control of this band, and he did. He really was the guy who was in charge of the band, in charge of their sound, kind of keeping everything together, kind of leading this band. And he joined a band where he's probably the most silent member of the band, so to speak. Yep. I find that oh, yeah. so interesting. And I often wonder what would have happened if he had not joined Metallica and stayed with Exodus. I don't think Metallica would be that different. I just don't. I think Exodus would be vastly different. Yeah. I, I agree with you. They'd have yeah. Waz. They'd have a lot of Waz in their music. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, <right> now. <laughs> and you got to remember, too, he left. And Metallica is not a, an established entity at this point, either. That's right. Yeah, that's true. So, that's I mean, right. he really left something that was a little bit more solid. Yes, he did. Um, yep. But the band he was going, he was getting on a plane and rushing to go record with, had a record deal. So if you're a starving kid at the time in music that is not mainstream yet, I think it's fair point that you'd go with the record deal and probably assume I'll join the band again if this doesn't work out. I think that's the assumption. But I think it's interesting that I, I, I feel like... I think we and we brought this up when we covered Metallica and it's nothing new that I'm going to say, but I think Kurt's talent is very untapped in Metallica because it's Hetfield and and Lars that drive the show. But I think given the room for him to grow and kind of voice his own creativity in the band, I think Exodus would have been a lot bigger than it is. I don't know. That's just my opinion. So, all right. Out of the rabbit hole as we continue. Um, so, okay. So <clears throat> then the band Exodus found a permanent replacement in guitar, in guitarist Rick Hunnelt, and Jeff Andrews also left at that point to start an early incarnation of the band Possessed, if you guys have ever heard of them. Um, and he was replaced by bass guitarist Rob McKillop. Okay, it's now spring of 1984, and Exodus is entering Turk Street Studios with producer Doug Piercy to record new demo tracks of songs that would later appear on their debut album. The band was then signed to New York-based Torrid Records, and Exodus prepared to enter Prairie Sun Recording that summer where they recorded their full-length album. And out came Bounded, Bonded by Blood in the summer of 84 with the band's manager Mark Whitaker as producer. They included concert photos, and I remember this very well, from shows that they had done with Slayer and Suicidal Tendencies and Megadeth in the album sleeve inserts. I remember going to this record store where you could listen to the records. They had like three turntables set up with headphones before you bought it. And this would give you a chance, which kids today probably don't, this wouldn't even occur to them. Things were sealed back then, you guys. So if you wanted to, op- if you didn't know the band... Hopefully they did a good job on the back of the album or on the back of the cassette tape of explaining what the music was like and who the band was. Otherwise, you had to walk up to the guy, people at the checkout, and ask them. And typically they could tell you a lot. I mean, getting working in a music store back then was much like 
your job, Matt, if you have a certain position in a liquor store, depending on the section, some liquor stores put you in a section where you're very knowledgeable about the bottles on the shelves. It was similar back then. Um, Mm -hmm. Or you hoped there was an open one so that you could take all the stuff out and look at pictures and read about them. And I just remember seeing these photos from shows with Slayer and Megadeth and being like, oh, I'm buying this album. And that was it for me. (laughs) I was like, I'm going to check it out and buy it. Um, So the album was originally actually titled A Lesson in Violence, but it wasn't released until April of 85 due to creative and business setbacks, as they say. Um, This album, Bonded by Blood, is considered a highly, highly influential thrash metal album today. Its critics, though, have often stated that the delay in this release hindered the impact the album could have had. And I completely agree. If it had come out right right when they recorded it, they could have been Megadeth. They could have been Slayer. They could have been probably not Metallica, but um, I agree. I think they would have been... Maybe in the same bigger. breath. A lot bigger. I agree. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. Um, so uh, a lot of music review- reviewers have echoed the statement. Um, Eduardo, um, I can't say this guy's name. We'll just call him Eduardo. Um, he quote, he's in quote saying, had it been released immediately after it was recorded in 84, Exodus is Bonded by Blood might be regarded today alongside Metallica's Kill Em All as one of the landmark albums responsible for la- launching the thrash metal wave. So, you guys, I want to play something for you. I'm going to play you Hit the Lights, and then I'm going to play you Black 13. guys so what do you think about those comparisons when you play them right next to each other well they're both thrash <laughs> well i'm much a certain i know that <laughs> certain s- certainly similarities there yeah there's Absolutely. some there's some similarities yeah. there for sure yeah i just love hearing the prepubescent james hatfield voice compared to compared to now yeah right <laughs> i think that i think the I mean, you put those two albums next to each other, and it could have absolutely been one or the other. I think that it's an absolutely spot-on statement to make. Um, no, I I definitely noticed um, in Bonded by Blood, I kept thinking about Kill 'Em All when I was listening to the album, especially in the vocals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. So, all right, so... Exodus promoted this album by going on tour with Venom and Slayer. Um, Four songs from their performance, um, actually at Studio 54 in New York City, were filmed and released on a widely popular home video. This is one I was talking about called Combat Tour Live. I don't know if you guys have ever seen this. I used to have it. I have no idea what happened to it. The Ultimate Revenge, it was called. Um, God, every metalhead copied this thing or you'd go over it and watch it and get high and oh god this is awesome um so they continued to tour with bands like um megadeth anthrax king diamond possessed dri nuclear assault 
Um, so shortly after this tour was completed, Paul Baloff was fired from the band, allegedly due to his drinking and drugs. And he was replaced by Steve Souza, who had previously been the lead vocalist for Legacy, which was an early incarnation of fellow Barrier Thrasher's Testament. Um, and I listened to, I found some Legacy. Um, it sounds like, yeah, it sounds like Kid Testament is best way I can say it. Like, <laughs> yep. Pre-Testament, if that makes any sense. Old, old Testament? <laughs> exactly. It's the new, new, young Testament. The pre-Testament. I don't know. Um, gross. That sounds disgusting. Uh, <laughs> so, um all right, so the lineup of the band remained stable for a while, um, for their next two albums at least. Um, and Bonded by Blood was a huge, huge underground success in the thrash community. So they were signed by Combat Records. And uh, you may know Combat Records as Megadeth's original label. Um, mm-hmm. Combat Re- Records is pretty much responsible, in my opinion, for getting thrash metal on the map and on the airwaves. Um, their story we should cover one day because they're a really interesting story. Um, so they released Pleasures of the Flesh in 1987. Um, interesting, this album was engineered. Well, does anybody know this? Who engineered this album? Anybody know? It's a little trivia. It wasn't Bob Rock, was it? No. (laughs) Fuck no. (laughs) No, I... I I kid, I kid. (laughs) It's somebody who... Yeah, no, I know this. Hold on. You know it? Yeah. Just say who she would go on to. Yeah, it, it was Tool. She? It was yes. Tool eventually, yeah, but I can't yes. remember her name. Yeah. Sylvia Massey. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And we um, covered her in the Tool. Yes, so. we did. Yep. Yeah. So um, to support uh, Pleasures of the Flesh album, Exodus did another tour, Anthrax, Celtic Frost, M.O.D., and Testament. And I saw that tour. That is the tour that I saw. And I remember there were... It's really funny when new music breaks. I don't know if this is, I doubt this is even a thing anymore, but because you can listen to everything before you see it. But um, so there were a lot of older metalheads there who would really be, okay, so I'm a young teenager. These would have been like, I don't even know what you would call them. Ed, what, what, once they're like 10 years older than us, you know, they're still young, but they were more into like, Motorhead and what else would Thrash was new to them and like I just remember their reaction when the Thrash bands came on them being like what the fuck and some (laughs) of them were like oh this is awesome and some were like let's get the fuck out of here I just just remember a lot of confusion and it was just just really interesting yeah I'm trying to think what what they would have been referred to as like skaters and I really can't. I, I can't mean, think of a good term. They weren't acid rock because that was our parents. Was the term metalhead really a thing? I guess it no, was. Not really. But I mean, it was. Maybe it was in that certain new circles, wave but... British metal is what they were listening yeah. to, but it was a lot more chill than right. heavy metal would become, and then obviously thrash metal was. Right. You know, but this again, like you know, all these circles kind of traveled together. It wasn't as segregated. Mm-hmm. So I just remember watching. These older kids that I thought looked so cool, and I and I thought, you know, I'm this, I'm a baby while I'm there. They are what, oh, like so probably cool. 22, 23. Yeah, probably, yeah. <laughs> and then just being like, "What the fuck is this?" And I'm like, "Oh, I know what this is. All right, all right." <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Um, 
So after that came Fabulous Disaster, the group's third full-length album. It was released in 1989, and the music video for the song The Toxic Waltz received very heavy rotation on MTV's Headbangers Ball. It made it a huge hit among metalheads. If you didn't know the band, you knew the song The Toxic Waltz. As a matter of fact, I thought it was the theme song for Headbangers Ball for a minute because they would open the show so often with the Toxic Waltz. Played I mean, a lot. A lot. <laughs> what was his face? The first, um, the first, oh, so like the first guy? Ricky Rad or something like that? What was his name? Ricky Rackman. Well, he was the second one, wasn't he? Who was the first? Somebody Google that. Whoever the first... Um, host was. I think he was a huge Exodus fan. I think I remember reading that. Oh man, you're really testing. I know. Right I'm now. testing. I know. My own uh, brain. We, I know. We mentioned uh, him too in our MTV we did. episode. Yeah. I do, was it Ricky Rackman? Was it not? Um, what's his name? Adam? Did he not start off and then Ricky Adam, Rackman took Adam Curry? Curry. Am yeah. I right? Yep. I think so. So it says uh, Kevin Seal took uh, briefly, and then Adam Curry took over. Okay, that's what I thought. So I think somebody was a big... It could be have been Ricky Reckman. I don't know. I thought he was after all of that. But somebody was a big Exodus fan, and that's how they got on so much is one of the things that I remember hearing at the time. Um, so Headbangers Ball was now a thing, and they actually had their own tours. Um, and so Exodus jumped on a tour with Anthrax and Halloween, and this just exposed them to a huge audience. This was a probably, I think, their biggest break, honestly, because Headbangers Ball was still a tiny audience, if you think about it relatively, who had cable at the time, who was knew the show existed that late at night. Mm -hmm. So this tour was a made a huge impact. Um, so because of the su success of Fabulous Disaster, Exodus was then signed to Capitol Records in 1989, and they released their fourth album, Impact is Imminent, the following year. But right before recording the album, um, Tom Hunting left the band for personal reasons, so he was replaced by John um, Tempesta, I think that's how you say his name, on drums, and you might know him because... Anybody? Two bands he was in? Testament. Anybody? Nope. The Cult and White Zombie. He was the Cult drummer for a long time, oh. actually. And then he would go on to be in White Zombie. Um, so, okay. Now it's 19. Yeah. Now it's 91. And the band has released their first live album, Good, Friendly, Violent, Fun, which was recorded during their 1989 tour. After the release of this album, the band toured sporadically for a year, lots more lineup changes, and um, then they released an, an album called Force of Habit in 92. <sighs> Heavy sigh. This album was a big departure from the band's signature sound, to say the least. It had a bunch of slower, heavier songs, and I'm saying heavier in air quotes. Um, I think most would agree it's far from thrash. Um, was it more like a doom metal sound or no what? it was what like a about? fucking boring sound i don't know there's an 11 minute song called architect of pain which it indeed was <laughs> they are they they, they architected my pain. I don't know. It, was, it was i guess it was just a slower going toward the heavier side as opposed to like the regular it was like consider thrash yeah. slow dance music for thrashers yeah exactly <laughs> something you can slow dance with your girlfriend too let me be your architect of pain um so 
after the tour um, for this album was You're completed. Sound like Judas Priest now. Oh, really? Thanks. <laughs> um, <laughs> I sound like a super old gay guy who's been in metal for forty years. Yeah. I'll take it. All right. Um, <laughs> so the band broke up after this album. Uh, they and they've stated many factors, um, but later. Um, Holt Hunting and Paul Bailoff and Rick Hunolt got back together and they did a short Exodus tour in 97, but the band disbanded after that. 2001, they reformed again and they used their 1997 lineup at the time and uh, they were initially going to play the Thrash of Titans concert. Um, there was talk of recording a new studio album and the band continued to play shows around the Bay Area once again. But sadly, on February 2nd, 2002, Paul Bailiff died after suffering a stroke. It was very unexpected. Um, so former vocalist Steve Souza stepped in to finish the rest of the band's concert commitments at the time. So it seemed like the band was done. But guitarist Gary Holt was determined to release a new studio album. So the result was 2004's Tempo of the Damned, this time released on Nuclear Blast. The song The Impaler, which was written when Kurt Hammett was still in the band, made it onto the album, actually. Mm. So um, I'm going to fade out the timeline here because there was a lot more stops and starts, and they really moved away from that early thrash sound. And I think... And, and when we were deciding what albums we were going to battle, um, we had decided we would do what we feel is in that thrash core because that's how they're known. So like Matt said earlier in the show, we're going to battle. Um, let's see. We're going to do. So before I say that, let me just mention their last four albums so we're not being disrespectful. So uh, Shovel Headed Kill Machine came out in 2005. The Atrocity Exhibition, Exhibit A, came out in 2007. Exhibit B, The Human Condition, came out in 2010. And Blood In, Blood Out came out in 2014. And as you know... Atrocity kn- Exhibition, is that another aptly named album? Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to say too much about that, those albums, because I have not listened to them enough. I'm, I'm just wasn't a fan anymore. Um. And as you guys know, and most of the listeners probably know, they've continued to play recently and have been on Slayer's uh, farewell tour. And they are said to be finishing out that tour this year in 2019 Hmm. with Slayer. So um, before we get into the debate and battle of the albums, there has been a lot of discussion over the years whether the Big Four should be called the Big Five adding Exodus to Metallica, Slayer, Megadeth, and Anthrax. In fact, many state that they were the first Bay Area thrash band, which would make them predate some of the big four bands. In my opinion, I believe that it should be Metallica, Slayer, Megadeth, Exodus, not Anthrax. I think if there's going to be a big five, that should include Anthrax, in my opinion. So, let's get into this battle, but first... I need a break, otherwise I'm going to pee my pants. And we're back. So, guys, are you ready to start this battle? Let's do it. Come on. Let's do it. Come on. Let's start it off with 
Bonded by Blood, 1985, their debut album. They've got Paul Bailiff on vocals, Gary Holt and Rick Hunold on guitars, and Tom Hunting on drums. The song Impaler was supposed to be featured on this album, but when Kirk Hammett left, he took the main riff with him for Trapped Under Ice. This album is considered a classic thrash album and a hugely influential album for many metal bands that would come up after them. Let me just run down quickly all of the tracks on this album, and then we'll just start our discussion. We've got the title track, Bonded by Blood, Exodus, and Then There Were None, A Lesson in Violence, Metal Command, Piranha, No Love, Deliver Us to Evil, and Strike of the Beast. So, what is everybody's thoughts on this album? My initial thought on this album was, man, this guy sounds a lot like uh, James Hetfield from... Uh, kill them all. Hmm. I would agree with you there. Yeah, they have a lot, a lot of, of similarities, similarities. local, mm-hmm. local wise. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. The way that, yeah, exactly. The way they vocalize, the yeah. way they scream out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very similar style. Yeah. I think you can take a lot of similarities. I mean, I've, I think I already illustrated that between early Exodus, well, this album in specific. And early Metallica, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think I might know why, but, you know, maybe Hammett did have a little bit more influence initially um, than he would, as we know, much later on. That's definitely a possibility because they were all so young and newly formed and actually Hammett had been playing longer than they had at this point. Well, this album was my my introduction to uh, Exodus, because even though Sailor, you and I are similar in age, I didn't be- really get into metal until after you did. So I completely missed out on on Exodus growing up. So this is really kind of cool for me to go back and uh, listen to these albums. But uh, I will save my opinions for the other albums until we get to them. But this first one I really enjoyed. I, I kind of feel like yeah. they had a, a few years to develop their sound in terms of what that thrash sound should sound like, especially having known that Metallica released Kill 'Em All 83. And I think that kind of felt to me like it was like proto thrash metal. You know what I mean? Like it was just barely starting off. And, you know, Exodus had that luxury of like, well, what can we do to kind of like top that off and, and kind of expand upon that. And I feel like they had that. um, A lot of bands probably had that too. Because if you if you notice, like after eighty five, eighty six, we had that explosion, you know, with Rain and Blood, and all these albums just came out. Eighty six, it was just you know, um, mm-hmm. I think Puppets came out, and like it was just a huge explosion of of, of thrash that came out. So I feel like that might have helped them develop their sound further. So I think that I think that benefited them, and you could hear how uh, how like just super thrashy and raw. Bonded by Blood is, and that's why it's, to me, one of my favorites. Yeah, I totally agree with you. It's got, it's just such a, I think it's such a great time capsule. This is, if you want to know what early, what original American thrash is, boom. This is one album I'll always throw out, always. Absolutely. And I totally agree with what you said. Um, So, Killing Is My Business and Business Is Good, Megan, this album, came out in 85, 
Um, and they had to take their time for similar reasons that Exodus <laughs> right. had to take their time. Yeah. Um, and, and it's interesting because I think it would be remiss for us not to talk about, as we've been discussing Kill em All, same thing with Killing Is My Business. Right. You can't separate these. To me, this is a triangle. Yeah. These bands are all connected because yeah. you had... You know, you had Mustaine leave Metallica and Hammett leave Exodus and go to Metallica. And so it's this perfect triangle. And I think you can really hear that there. Yeah. Um, I think Slayer has always had a very different sound to me um, than the rest of them have. But I think I've always felt that um, Metallica and Exodus were so similar until Injustice for All happened. Yeah. I feel like they were on a you know, s- the same trajectory, kind of. You, you bring up another another uh, observation I had. Even though they're similar to Metallica vocally, I thought that musically they were they kind of reminded me of Megadeth a little more than Metallica back in the early Megadeth. I would agree with that. I think they're. I think they had better musicianship. I mean, I think their talent was better at the time. Honestly, mm. I mean. I, it just was. I, you know, Mustaine is an amazing guitar player, um, oh, and yeah. he's a fucking great songwriter. And um, yeah. he had a better drummer in both bands too. I, I mean, mean, he had jazz musicians playing metal. I mean, straight up, that's really was what it was. Yeah, that's why it was so outstanding. Yeah, I don't think Burton was able to give his. Well, we know he wasn't really. He didn't really get his influence in there until Master of Puppets. So. Um, the first two albums are a little bit more. I think I think Kill 'Em All is definitely Hammett's influence, and I think you know, um, yeah. And I mean, in Mustaine, he also chose his musicians very well based off of talent, um, not relationships. And I think that shows through also. Not to say that you know Ulrich and Ham uh, and Hetfield aren't a great writing team because of course we know they are, but. Um, I also happen to think Paul Bailoff's voice is the best Exodus voice, in my opinion. And you've got I'm, Paul Bailoff on this album. Yeah. I'm I would agree. super glad that you mentioned that mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I fucking love this album, personally. I think it deserves to be enshrined with all of the other great thrash albums, like we said. Yep. Dave, I agree, I agree with you. As much as it sucks that this was not the flagship album for thrash, Right. It did give it gave them time to develop that sound to get their shit in order. But I'll tell you why I love Paul Bailoff so much and you guys had made the connection to James Hetfield. You heard James Hetfield in there a little bit. When I listen to this album, I can pick different parts out of all the other thrash singers that I love in his voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. I can listen to a song and say, I hear Tom Araya there. Yes. I hear Dave Mustaine there. <laughs> I hear Joey Belladonna there. I hear James Hetfield there. Yeah. It is like the Frankenstein of all the thrash singers in one fucking person. And that's why I hold him in such high regard. Because I fucking love Paul Bailoff and I love this album. I absolutely love it. I think, and this is not an unpopular opinion, but it's not brought up enough. To me, Paul Bailoff is the sound everyone was going for vocally back then. Because they all played with them and Exodus was bigger at the time. They were a they were a bigger, more well established band when they were playing shows together. Some of them. I mean, I mentioned this in the timeline with Metallica. You know, um, I think everybody was going for that Bailoff sound. I really do, and I I think you're absolutely right. 
if you want to sound like an early American thrash metal band as a vocalist, listen to this album. Yes. This is who everyone was was kind of basing it on and then did their own take on it, of course. Um, I think for Hetfield, since he never intended to be the vocalist and didn't want to be the vocalist, I think it was a comfortable place for him to go, well, I'll just do that. You know, that I can do. Um, and Mustaine, you know, had had been a vocalist before. And um, still, I there's so there is so much similarity there. You're absolutely right. Frankenstein is such a perfect, perfect way to say it. But to me, he is the he was what you measured yourself by at the time, that sound that he had. So um, this is, I fucking love this album as well. This, this is the same. I think, I just, I hate that they're not considered one of the big four. And every time I go back and yeah. listen to this album, it fucking pisses mm. me off. You know, no disrespect for Anthrax, who I love. I just don't think they're in that category. And I just don't think they have the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? If you compare them to Exodus. The the the, gr- the, the griminess and the edge that edginess, too. you know what I mean? Yeah, they're willing to get down into the trenches, I guess. Yeah, yeah. some okay. of the material. And in yeah. some ways, I don't think they have the musicianship either. Well, had I should say, um, they they were very very raw for longer than they should have been. Um, and I like Anthrax, you know, I love Anthrax, yeah. but I think to put to choose, we're going to put Anthrax in this category, and not Exodus. Whoever made this shit up should be punched in the face. I think it's a bunch of bullshit. Um, I agree. You guys, what yep. are your favorite songs off this album? Bonded by Blood, of course. Piranha. Easily. Lesson in um, Violence. Yeah. Piranha's my favorite. Yeah. And I think I'd say Piranha, then Bonded by Blood, because I yeah. do love Bonded by Blood. Yeah. I mean, they're all great, but those are my, yeah, those are my standouts, yeah. for sure. All right, let's move on to Pleasures of the Flesh, and then we're going to battle these two against each other and see which one goes on to the next round. Um, All right, so Pleasures of the Flesh comes out in 1987. Um, Steve Souza is now on vocals, and it's the same lineup for the rest of the musicians. This album did not receive positive reviews from the critics, and sales weren't really that great either, but... This album still made the band gain a lot of notoriety. They were still on an up trajectory. And um, although I'm surprised to hear that sales weren't great for this album, but I did a little more research um, on the RIAA. And what actually happened is I think people who who were learning of them because of this album went back and bought um, Bonded by Blood. So they had a, once this album came out, you can see like literally a few weeks after this album is out for the next couple of months, their first album starts selling again, like gangbusters. Mm. Um, So that could be why there's that discrepancy, but they were on an upward trend for sure. So on this album, you have Deranged, Till Death Do Us Part, Parasite, Brain Dead, Faster Than You'll Ever Live to Be, Pleasures of the Flesh, 32nd, Seeds of Hate, Kemi Kill and choose your weapon. All right, thoughts, everybody. Okay, I'm trying to remember. You'll have to excuse me. I've just had time to listen through all through all these albums pretty much once. Um, but I remember Brain Dead. I believe was one of the standouts in this album for me. Yep. I remember. I did not like Pleasures of the Flesh, the title track. Um, I think Chemical was another one I didn't like. Now, 
it makes sense that now I see that there's different vocalists. Because I was thinking, man, <laughs> this this sounds like a completely different person. It is. Know, because it is. And <laughs> 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 this album. <laughs> yeah. Not, but, even, uh, not even close. <laughs> yeah, I, d- I didn't uh, in- enjoy this. This is when I started feeling like, okay, Exodus is a lot like whiskey. It's best enjoyed in small doses. <laughs> Damn. All right. <laughs> as much as I like it, you know, it's when I started getting beyond uh, the first album and started listening to these other albums, I would get fatigued listening to so many of their songs in a row. And that's not necessarily. I don't want to be disparaging towards the band. It's just, it's just me. The way I process music is just so much, you know, coming mm-hmm. at me. Um, I could take their music sprinkled in throughout heavy, heavy metal playlist. But, uh, yeah, it's just like a barrage. And uh, by the time I got through this album and had to power through the next two, it's like um, that's the way I was feeling. Not to take away from their musicianship or anything else like that. But, again... I think I like them a lot better than Slayer, but like Slayer, they kind of fall into that um, kind of one tone over their over many, 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 many songs. Um, and, but, yeah. and listeners, I don't want to get too too far ahead of myself if here. We but. should remind the listeners what your feelings were on Slayer when we covered them <laughs> last year. <laughs> Would you like to expand a little bit, Ed? Over and over and over. No, I don't. That's 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 a little uh, little harsh. Edward is but, not uh, a fan of Slayer. Let's see. No, I was I was not a not I've a made, fan I've of made Slayer. His, I made peace with his. Um, it's fine. The we, vocals. We let him stay on the show. I the vocals really turned me off. Um, musically, I liked a lot of their stuff, but if you just could have cut the vocal track, that would have been fine with me. But. Uh, Exodus, I can, I can tolerate. Um, <laughs> tolerate. Paul Bailiff, I enjoy. Yeah. I'd say Steve Souza, I tolerate. So we'll just so real quick, at that. just to interject with your Slayer observation, I kind of feel yeah. like Slayer became Slayer in uh, Rain and Blood. You know, mm-hmm. they weren't really Slayer; they were just like this other thrash band. Show No Mercy is completely different from their entire catalog. It's it's a little melodic. It's a little. It's not even thrash. I wouldn't say, but it's probably my favorite thrash, uh, my favorite Slayer album. Um, but with that being said, I feel like Zetro has more of a uh, what's his name ACDC sound before Brian. Oh, um, 70s ACDC. Um, bon, bon Scott. Bon he Scott, has, yeah. yeah, it's like Bon Scott yeah. on steroids, man. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, you're and absolutely so, right. That's so, a good observation. So, I feel like maybe I understand why you're saying, oh, you know, small doses, small doses, um, <laughs> with Exodus, but I mean, Pleasure's still a great album. Uh, Till Death Do Us Part is probably one of the you know, more. Like, would you want in a, in a thrash song? And would you want to be listening to? Like, that? if, if I'm going to show somebody, you know, hey, if you want to listen to a cool, like, like what it should, thrash should sound like, here's a good song to check out. And um, Till Death Do Us Part is great. Parasite. Brain Dead. 
I actually did like Pleasures of the Flesh, that song, the title track, and Seeds of Hate. That's outstanding. It just starts off, just it just starts blasting, you know, right away. Yeah, I mean, I actually enjoyed the second half of this album more than the first half, to yeah. be quite honest with you. Uh, I mean, you mentioned Pleasure of the Flesh, Seeds of Hate. Uh, I even checked off Choose Your Weapon as the closing song. Um, man, to compare him to Bon Scott, though, I, I can see where you'd make the simil- where you'd make the connection there. But I think it's just an insult to Bon Scott, really. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, you could, I mean, you could see why. A singer like him wouldn't work in a band like this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I think that he sounds like Bon Scott when they're covering ACDC songs, which they've done a couple of. They did. They recorded one. It, yeah. And, you know, good for him for, you know, doing an, a Bon Scott impression on those songs. <laughs> but it's, man, I, I, I hold Bale off in such high regard. Yeah. And just then hearing this, it's just a step down. It's like It's like missing a step and almost falling on your face. To me, right, um, coming down from that peak of that album in '85, but it's a shame. I mean, there's good music there. It's just Real it's good. not. It doesn't. It does not connect with me, unfortunately. So I, um, I totally agree with what you said about Slayer. Actually, um, especially having been there, and yeah. Slayer is a different. They're another one that's. Now we're going to break apart the whole big four mentality. <laughs> I think it's, I think at some point Slayer didn't belong in there either, but then you could say Metallica didn't. But we're talking about the early albums, so right. we'll just leave it at that. But I totally get what you're saying. Um, you know, okay, so I found out about Exodus in 1987 because of Pleasures of the Flesh, right? But I actually, but I actually went and I bought Pleasures of the Flesh and Bonded by Blood together. So I take out Pleasures of the Flesh first and because I had heard a song with a, at a friend's house or in the car or something and I'm like, oh, who is this? They're like, oh, this is a band called Exodus. You know, oh, you like Metallica, so you'd probably like them. I'm like, oh, okay. So I go buy it, check it out. So I'm probably one of those people that helped that sales thing happen <laughs> with their older albums. <laughs> so I put on Pleasures of the Flesh and I'm like looking for the song. I couldn't remember the name of it that I liked. And um, so I skip forward to that song. I'm like, oh, yeah, I really like the song. And for some reason, I take the album. I was vinyl at the time. I take the vinyl off. I put on Bonded in Blood. And I'm like, wait a minute. Is this a di-? Like, for a second, I was like, is this a different band? Because <laughs> of the singers. It's just, right. and I always hear yeah. the singers first. Right. Um, so I was a little disappointed because I sat there and listened to the entirety um, of Bonded by Blood and then went to Pleasures of the Flesh. And I had been hooked by listening to the entirety of Bonded by Blood. And so I was super disappointed. I do not like Steve Souza's voice. However, I do love Exodus, and I did end up purchasing all four of these records as they came out and saw them live and everything. But yes, the voices you cannot compare. I don't love the vocals 
all the time on Slayer either, but I'm right. a huge Slayer fan. Um, there are some things when a band is amazing that you can overlook and it just kind of becomes part of the sound. Would I have loved for Bailoff to be on vocal? For, yeah, fuck yeah, forever. Hell yeah. He should sing every fucking thrash song, yeah. in my opinion. He's a great um, frontman, too. I mean, just his, oh, yeah. just the, the banter between songs and the yes. shit that he says yes. to people. I mean, it's great. Yes. Find that... Find that home video. It's got to be on YouTube. You you have to see him live. It's it's something else, especially back then. <laughs> um, so till death do us part and seeds of hate are my two favorite um, mm-hmm. songs on this album. Um, so pleasure. It, one of the things though about Exodus, and if you take time, I don't know if any of you guys have done this. If you've read the lyrics, so. One thing with thrash and metal bands that we know, the songs are long. Their albums can have many tracks on them. Um, The vocals are an entire fucking lifetime of a story in one song. (laughs) Some bands do that really well and Mm -hmm. some don't. I happen to think Exodus, they have always been great lyricists. They've been great writers. I do. Yes. Okay. I I was thinking that for me, that was one of their weaker areas. If you read the, the lyrics was... to Pleasures of the Flesh, I think it's such a fantastic example. Like I said, I, I was managed to listen through all these albums once. And so, no, I didn't like dive into the lyrics or anything. You got like work that. to do then. But I'll. <laughs> okay. I just remember. Then not we'll come being back impressed and by some of the. What? You heard this shit but... once. What the fuck? He's not a fan of the flesh pleasures. Apparently not. <laughs> <laughs> I am. (laughs) Um, Okay, let me read you. Let me read you a passage. Smell of death lurks around the place. Human need, unholy race. See the bloody pile of bones. The night is filled with hellish moans. It's been around for oh so long. At dawn of time, they sang their song. The need to eat the human flesh. The strength it gives to pass the test. Feel the power of your unholy death, feeding frenzy, human flesh. If that's not a fucking thrash metal song, I don't know what is. That is literally when you go, that's so metal. (laughs) That's fucking metal. Literally. Exactly. I think that is the perfect example of a fucking metal song in any category or subgenre. Yeah, he could translate it to any genre, right? Absolutely. Um, Okay, so, guys... Anybody else have anything else to say about these two albums before we decide which one's going to move forward? Nope. Nope. Okay. All right. So we'll start with Bonded first. Ed, thumbs up or down? Thumbs up. Okay. And Matthew? Two thumbs up. Okay. And Dave? Thumbs up. Thumbs up. I'm going to say thumbs up as well. And that's, I'm sad to see Pleasures of the Flesh go. But Bonded by Blood is going to move forward. I have a... The better album one. Just wanted to add something really quick. If yeah. you really want to listen to songs from Pleasures with Paul Bailoff, you can listen to Another Lesson in Violence, which is a live album that came out in 96, I believe. And Paul's actually on that. And he sings Seeds of Hate. He sings Brain Dead. Oh, you're right. Yeah. So, oh. so I forgot about that. So if you want to hear it with Paul, that's a good one right there, man. It's got cool. it's got this really cool green, almost like comic book kind of cover art. Um, that is 
very violent. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, so, a great album. For a, for a live album, too. It sounds great. Awesome. I, rem- I, I vaguely remember that now. Okay, so, Bonded by Blood moves forward. Now let's talk about, we'll start the next round with Fabulous Disaster, which came out in 1989. It has the same lineup as Pleasures. This album received very positive reviews from critics and fans alike. It was a commercial peak for the band. The label threw more money into this recording and promotion of this album than they had ever before for this band. But they still were not receiving the type of money. There it is. Or the type of, yep, there it is. All right. They still were not receiving the type of money or support from their label that their counterparts were receiving, even though in some respects they were just as popular. There were no singles released to radio stations at the time. It was really the video for the Toxic Waltz that made this album a commercial hit. They also toured very extensively for this album through Europe and North America. So the tracks we have are The Last Act of Defiance, Fabulous Disaster, The Toxic Waltz, Lowrider, Cajun Hell, Like Father, Like Son, Corruption, Verbal Razors, and Open Season. I want to tell you a quick story about The Toxic Waltz. Like I said, this was a song that if you were watching Headbangers Ball at the time, you knew this song. So I was going to, um, I don't, I think it was my own senior, no, it was my boyfriend's senior prom. And so I didn't go to school there. So there was a guy DJing and he had long hair. So we just (laughs) made an assumption that he was going to be a metalhead. If he wasn't already, we were going to make him. Right. So it was kind of the end of the night. We did and managed to smuggle in a flask or four. (laughs) Um, And we would go to the bathroom. So we had had a bit to drink. And so it was towards the end of the night, and we somehow convinced this poor guy, I think we might have even give him, given him, like, a couple bucks and a joint or something <laughs> to play the Toxic Waltz. <laughs> <laughs> well, you definitely found out who the metalheads were in the crowd, <laughs> that's for sure. That's badass. Um, so the crowd parted. Everybody was kind of like, uh, what the fuck is this? And about <laughs> six people, I was one of them, like, yeah. run out onto the and are banging our heads <laughs> just in time almost at the end of the song one of the chaperones or whoever from the school ends up doing the whole unplug the record i think he asked the guy to turn no it off way. um yeah and we got and so he was like who told you to play this blah blah, blah. and um the guy told on us he totally fucking oh, threw us under bastard. the bus yeah what a <laughs> so fucking cool. asshole and we gave him stuff i think so um oh. I didn't go to school there, thank God, so I didn't really get in trouble, but that's <laughs> one of my, it's, it's my little story about the toxic waltz. Fucking normies, we man. totally destroyed a prom. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, thoughts on this album, you guys? Um, I really felt it could have been done without those covers, Lowrider and uh, ACDC, right? The mm-hmm. I forgot the name of the song. But uh, I think they could have left those out, maybe done one more of their own. Um, obviously Toxic Waltz is probably like the shining star here that's probably one of the the epitome of a great thrash song I I would say so Um, at this point it is what it is it's Zetro and that's what it is so I kind of had to deal with that it's like what what can you do right so I'm dealing with that accepting that (laughs) and then you have uh, Cajun Hell great song 
Verbal Razors, Corruption, those are all good. I think at this point, though, at, on this album, they're already developing the sound for what they're going to sound like uh, in the mid-2000s and what they sound like for the following records. Mm-hmm. They've already developed their sound, I think, at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did see a marked change in the musically, yeah. especially the sound of their guitars mm-hmm. in this album. Um, the three... The three songs that stood out to me, um, I think you mentioned them all. First of all, Lowrider. I mean, who who yeah. would come up with the idea to do a thrash cover of freaking Lowrider? I mean, it's a, it's a great song, but not on. Um, it's, yeah, no. but, it's uh, only a great well, song it was, because it was of the way entertaining it was for the novelty of it, exactly. I guess. Yeah. But uh, um, Toxic Waltz, great song. Um, the the other one, Cajun Hell. I just thought that was kind of hysterical. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it was a good song, though. Yeah. yeah, the other ones I really don't remember, but uh, <laughs> those three are pretty interesting. <laughs> Toxic Waltz again, right. probably my favorite. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the hell you guys are talking about. I like that cover. <laughs> it's like a breath of fresh air in the middle of this album. <laughs> anyway, that's just me. I think it takes balls to do something like that. So that I can appreciate, but uh, I think this album suits... Uh, Suze's vocal style a little bit more. Yeah. I think you see from song to song, uh, Ed, as you put it, it's not as, I guess, they don't run together, as you would say, for lack of a better term. The songs don't run together. There is some yeah. change from song to song. You guys mentioned some of them. Cajun Hell is a great song. Verbal Razors, uh, again. Again, didn't really mind the ACDC cover at the end there. Uh, again, best Bon Scott impression that he can do. <laughs> um, coming off, you know, coming off of Pleasures of the Flesh, uh, you, you expect a dip, and I think this was a little bit better actually. Yeah. Um, so you know, I didn't mind it. Didn't mind it. So I happen to really like this album, but I think it's my relationship. You know how you can have an album. There's certain set of music reminds you of a time of a place yeah i was heavy mm-hmm. into metal at the time and thrash metal and i was i was in a really good place with my own taste musically i had come into my own with what i was listening to and what i was f- comfortable with and familiar with i was old enough that i was out there going to shows i saw everybody that was coming anywhere near me yeah. um i I just had a great time with this album. It will never be bonded by blood, of course. But at this point, I had come to terms with... I think you said something similar, Dave. Yeah. I'd come to terms with this is who Exodus is now. And so I prefer this album with the new... Let's call them the new Exodus, right? Yeah. Um, The Exodus that isn't bonded by blood. So I really enjoyed this album... It, it has toxic waltz on it, so I love it for that. Um, I love Verbal Razors. It's such a fucking great song. Yeah. Um, I love Fabulous Disaster, too. Um, I like Corruption as well. Um, the Lowrider could really just not be there. The ACDC cover was not on the original album, okay. so I don't include it. That was put on there in a, in a re, re, re-release. Um, okay, so I keep hearing about this ACDC cover. What What? What song was that? Because I don't think I heard it. So let's let's do in something real quick. The edition of the quick. album that I listened to. We've talked about the Lowrider cover and the ACD cover quite a lot. Let's play them real quick for the listeners. We'll just play a little snippet, and then you can find them on your own and listen to them. All my friends on the 
All right, so there you go. What do you think? <laughs> it's ACDC, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. pretty much. It's Bon, it's bon Scott. Yeah. It's it's like it's a weddings. It's like it's like a wedding singer version. You know, like yeah. let's try to sound the most like this band that we can, so people will like it. Yeah. Um. That's all I'm going to say about that. Um. So yeah. So I I real I think this is a great example of them with their with this lineup. I think. Um, I think, you know, vocally, Steve Souza found his way, even though I don't like the sound of his, or I don't prefer the sound of his voice. I think he kind of found his way in it. I think they were still writing really well, although there is a marked, like, you can feel winter is coming (laughs) to be super cheesy. You can tell they're, it's, they're about to freeze me out. Um... It's like the end justice for all of Exodus's discography. Yes, yes, yes. Um, But it was a really fucking great time for metal. You know, I'm so, I'm so, I feel lucky that I got to be there for all of that. I feel lucky I was old enough to go to shows at the time and see a lot of these bands live and experience, you know, all of this at the time in a really fresh, raw, new way. Um, so I just think I, I place this album in high regard. So that's, yeah. All right. So let's move on to, um, it's battle buddy, which is their next album. Impact is imminent, which came out in 1990. Um, the only lineup change we have is we have a new drummer. Now we've got, um, John Tempesta. Um, this album was their lowest charting album actually, and received very negative reviews from critics. However, um, many fans and Gary Holt himself feel like this album contains some of the best riffs that he has ever written. Um, so I want to, you guys, I want to discuss that a little bit. Um, cause I think it's sometimes a necessity with these legendary bands, bands with these long careers, when you're able to pick out things like that and separate it from the album as a whole. Does anybody ever do that? Try to like dissect it so you can like it. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it's easier than other times. It's true. That is true. Yeah. So, what are everybody's thoughts on this album? Oh boy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> trying to remember some of these songs. A Wall's the only one I think I can really pick out remembering. Oh shit! Um, I didn't do the track list. Sorry. So it, I didn't do it. So it's impact is imminent. A wall, the lunatic parade within the walls of chaos. Objection overruled. Only death decides. Heads they win. Changing of the guard and thrash under pressure. Which we'll talk about that a little bit after. Yeah, I think by the time I got to this album, um, Exodus fatigue had heavily set in, <laughs> and uh, I, it's, it's all kind of these. All these are kind of a blur. But uh, yeah, I don't know. This this album just didn't do it for me overall. You know, I I felt like this was really uh, meat and potatoes, very beefy album. Um, it sounded to me, it sounded outstanding. The the production quality, just the overall, especially the, I mean, come on, the riffs too were amazing. I thought. Um, I do feel like the ones that stood out to me were A Wall, Lunatic Parade, Objection Overruled. Only Death Decides and Thrash Under Pressure, which is a badass title, by the way. <laughs> yes, um, that is. But I feel like um, it is very meat, meat and potatoes type album. 
um, super heavy. I don't know. I mean, it's 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 more Zentro and more you know, it's more Exodus. You know, I don't know. I wasn't fatigued with this one. I actually enjoyed it a lot more than Fabulous Disaster, to be honest with you. Hmm. Okay. Anybody else have any thoughts? Yeah, um, you know, good riffs. I understand what he's saying. Good riffs don't always equate to good songs, Mm -hmm. good material on the end product. Um, Just putting this in time perspective, as I know we've talked about this when we've covered other bands here. 1990, the clock is starting to tick tick on thrash metal. I think this came out in June, this album, and... You know, two months or three months after this album was released, we have what we all agreed was the album that saved thrash metal, which was Megadeth's Rust in Peace. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It's a masterpiece. Uh, so when you're a masterpiece. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Fuck, when, you, yeah. when you're juxtaposing this album with that album, the time frame this album comes out, plus their previous material, to me it just doesn't hold up. Dave, you said meat and potatoes. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a good that's a good analogy because I think that that's kind of what was in my head, but it just didn't do it for me. I mean, the Lunatic Parade is probably my favorite song on this album, but other than that, um, you know, the clock had kind of struck midnight for me on them. I mean, also you have to also think about ninety or ninety one when the Black Album came out too, and you got to consider the the across that to me that was a weak album, uh, the Black Album. Uh, well, well, most of us here agree with you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Most of well. So within Mo, well, yeah. So within that timeline, I feel like it's, it's all right. It's, it's still it's still good. You know what I mean? Ninety, Rust in Peace, and then the Black Album. I mean, there's there's a lot to go with that. Well, thrash is dying at this point. Yeah. So for the listeners that don't know, what we're all kind of alluding to is that thrash is beginning to die. Um, it's kind of squeaking, eking out its last breath. And this is something we've discussed before, and it's an ongoing debate. You know, does thrash die because fans don't want to hear it anymore? Does thrash die because bands get older, they've been playing longer, they get sober, they're happier, they have more money for their albums, they have more time to record, they're more comfortable in their life, they've just been doing it longer and want to make a change? I don't know. Um, I do think it is in the hands of the bands, though, because... The bands that have played the same style of music forever and ever and ever continue to sell out fucking stadiums and sell gabillions of albums. The Rolling Stones is a perfect example. They never went, hey, let's change our style of music because we're bored with it or we want to be fucking pretentious or we went and got therapy and we're sober. Um, I would say Aerosmith is very similar. And these bands continue to be liked just as much, if not more, than they did in the beginning. So I always put this on those bands that they're the ones that fucking killed Thrash. Um, So Thrash Under Pressure. I just want to read you some of these lyrics. When I picked up this album, I read this. I read these lyrics that like the album had just come out. And I kind of remember going, wait, what? Uh, what's happening? <laughs> All right. We do what we do because we fucking want to. Never give a shit what others say to you. They try to give advice. 
Just define we're cold as ice. Worthless opinions need not be spoken twice. We're proud of what we do. Call us thrash. We won't argue. We'll never be ashamed if our children ever knew. Forever we'll confirm and we're flattered by the term. Those embarrassed by it never should have tried it. With my head held high, standing dignified, I have my integrity, never gave an inch, and I never flinch. When it came to my loyalty, 100% all out, nothing less. Aggressive, relentless, and mean. When the chips are down, you'll never see us frown. You'll only see thrash under pressure. Heavy fucking sound, pound your head into the ground. Where others try and fail, we're glory bound. It's what we love to hear what we've done for so many years, rolling into town and blowing out your ears. Parents are against, they try and keep their children fenced in from the world and the evil influence. Like birds of a feather, we'll always flock together. We want you to know we'll always thrash forever. <laughs> if that's not a love song. letter, a goodbye, dear John letter, I don't know what is. If that's not them trying to make a call to arms, yeah. saying, yeah. hey, kids, Come back. they're trying yeah. to kill thrash, it's a, well, at least you know we loved you. That's how I took that, and I freaked the fuck out. And had there have been the internet at the time, <laughs> had there have been cell phones, or at the very least fucking email, right? I, I wonder what would have happened, because there was no way for me to... I like felt like I wanted to run the street screaming, like, what is happening to my music? Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. Because that's how I took it. I didn't know, but, well, I think, I think in a way we kind of did feel it a little bit that things were changing there was a shift happening but this was just like oh fuck and i you know my friends and i we did talk about it but we were tiny little kids you know who were we we were just teenagers we did call into um one of our radio stations um and there was the guy who played metal at midnight i think is what his show was called and we tried to talk to him about it but he wasn't really a thrash guy so he kind of said, yeah, I think, you know, thrash is over and all of that. Kind of like disco is dead type. It was like very similar to disco is dead. You know, disco mm -hmm. sucks. Right. Um, so this album is it's it's a, there's something very specific about this album. Um, I do not like it as much as I like um, as I like Fabulous Disaster. Um I don't I do agree about the riffs but um Gary had said of all the albums of his entire career he wishes that they could re-record Impact is Imminent and do it all over again. Um the one thing that I have always been pissed off about is why they didn't receive the support that the other thrash bands were getting at the time. Yeah. Again, I'm going to use Anthrax as an example. Exodus is a better band than Anthrax, period, end of story, in my opinion. I love Anthrax, but if I have to choose the two, you know, Exodus, boom. Why the fuck didn't they get the support and the money that their counterparts were getting? I don't know, and I think they suffered for it. And I think this album is a perfect example of that. Were they just not as good uh, marketing themselves as these other bands? Could have just been poor management. Perhaps. Yeah. I think I think it was poor management. Well, look at Anvil. They were look, there before everybody. Look at Anvil. You know? They, I think they're a case of poor management. Yeah. You know. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Um, and then you have a case of great management that kills the band ultimately. For well, you know, not kills the band, but kills <laughs> the the band that we used to like, and they go on to be something else. Um, and that some consider that great management. I do not. Right. Um, all right. So 
let's go ahead and take our votes on these two albums. Um, Ed, I'll start with you. Fabulous Disaster or Impact is in- Imminent? Um, I'm saying Fabulous Disaster is Fabulous. Okay. I'm for Fabulous. And Dave? Fabuloso. Okay. And Matt? Fabulous Disaster. And I'm going to have to agree. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. You know what that means. <laughs> so we now have bonded by blood against fabulous disaster and then there were two and then there were two so yep who wants to kick off which one of the two favorite kids we have to throw in the well how about our guest okay pressure (laughs) (laughs) all right so are we just picking or is it just you have to pick between the two. Only one can reign supreme. Oh, well, bonded. Easily. Bonded? Yeah. Okay. All right. Matt? Paul Bailoff's Bonded by Blood. Mm-hmm. Without okay. a shadow of a fucking doubt. Right, absolutely. All right, Ed? I am bonded by blood. Nice. As am I. So it's unanimous. <laughs> Throughout this All the whole way battle, this has never ever <laughs> this happened. Never ever 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 happened with us. <laughs> so it is unanimous. Bonded by blood wins. Um, it is the ultimate Exodus album. So says the Metal Rock and Whiskey podcast. And I say, as Sailor Retro, it is the ultimate thrash album. Period. End of story. So that was a really good battle, you guys. I had I had a lot of fun. Can I, I had that? tons of fun. It was man. awesome. Yeah. Oh, and can we talk about the fabulous album art? <laughs> I knew you were going to want to talk about the fucking album art. Oh God, you always have an issue with album art. I think it's really oh funny. man, it could have been why they didn't for, get famous. For as, <laughs> <laughs> right. Some of the cheesiest album art in metal history. Uh, Bonded by blood. I'll tell you what. Par. I mean, well, it's like when they were at a, a county fair and saw some <laughs> some skulls, some dude doing uh, airbrush art. Oh man, that's badass! You do our our album cover, but it was cool at the time. You remember yeah. you were there. It was cool at the time. Airbrush. You know, and it's funny. I was thinking about, or they find some guy, you know, in a shop, you know, airbrushing up lowriders. Not even. Knowing that they did a cover of Lowrider later on. Yeah, Bonded by Blood is a terrible album cover, but Fabulous Disaster is one of the most recognizable that is. thrash cover albums for sure. I think uh, out of the four, Impact and Dis- Intimate, Imminent, that's the, the worst, absolute worst <laughs> cover art you could ever have. Um, that one's pretty funny. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. The first Bonded by Blood, because there's there's two covers for that, by the way. Yeah. Um, the first Bonded by Blood is the two babies. Right. It's just... That's the one I'm referring to. I think that's to. the worst. That was pretty cool. <laughs> <I like that. laughs> the Siamese friends <laughs> <Yeah>. there. <laughs> Whatever the fuck it's supposed to be. Oh, God. We should just do a whole show on album covers yeah. from the 70s and 80s, because there's some fucking amazing shit out there. Yeah. Like it's oh, like the yeah. cat pictures with the lasers, you know. Oh yeah. 
All right, that was awesome, you guys. Thank you so much for your time. This was, that was so fun. much fun. All right, so once again, we want to say thanks to all of our listeners out there. And if you enjoyed this show, please tune in next week, where we will have another episode of the Metal Rock and Whiskey podcast. But until that time, is there anything that anyone has been listening to or watching lately that they would like to talk about and inform our listeners about? Well, I don't know about you guys, but I'm damn glad we're not listening to and watching fucking motley crew anymore <laughs> oh that. my god yeah that's been kind of that played was out fucking painful man three fucking weeks jesus and i you know i love the crew and it's time and it's place you know early crew that's fine and great but man i'm also getting sick of talking about the fucking movie i don't know why i thought we should review that but the hate mail that i've got well, guys it. Three times. I watched it three times. No wonder you're sick of it. Painful. (laughs) But I have gotten some hate mail. Let me tell you, these crew fans think this band shits and gold comes out of their ass. I'll tell you. Right. I don't get it. But anyway. Kind of sounds like... No, you beat me to it. (laughs) 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 We said it at the same time. (laughs) Um, As for podcasts, I have been listening to... I've been listening to Dave's podcast, That Metal. Sweet. Podcast, so... Thank you. I've been listening to lately. Good stuff, And man. continuing to catch up on D. Snyder's I Want to Talk, um, because <laughs> we're Twitter friends, and... Awesome. Um, hi, D, if you're listening. He retweets me and likes my tweets all the time and responds to me, so we're friends. We're totally friends. That's awesome. And he did his own review on The Dirt, Yes, too, he if did. you haven't heard that one yet. Oh, not only have I heard it, but I've had to jump in the middle of some Twitter fights Ooh, in defense uh. of Mr. Snyder there, and <laughs> um, also kind of had to defend Nikki Six at some point, which I found surprising, but <laughs> I basically just told this little dumb fuck to calm the fuck down, because he was trying to start a, a pissing contest with these guys. It was ridiculous. Yeah. How about you guys? Matt? Anything? Well, I had a little hiccup this week as I was prepping for what is going to be next week's show when I thought it was actually this week's show. But I can't give away what I've been listening to and watching. You'll just have to wait to find out uh-huh. what I fucked up on uh-huh. next week. Aren't you glad you said something to me so I could tell you you were wrong? I am so glad. It would have been funny, though. It would have been, yes. But I'm happy because, you know, I do have I do have the whiskey segment next week. So I will be, I'll be happy that it's all done already and ready to go. Oh, wait, wait. I'm sorry. What is this? Are, are you saying I get a break from doing the whiskey segment? I'm yes. actually getting a break? Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> Listeners, you heard it here first. But I'm interested in knowing. I know, Dave, since you've, you've started doing a podcast, I'm sure you're a... You've been a podcast fan for a while. What kind of what kind of other podcasts do you enjoy listening to? I actually like listening to a lot of comedy. So I'll listen to the Joey Diaz, um, his comedy. Um, well, it's kind of like it's kind of like Rogan's podcast. They should they come out on each other's podcasts a lot. Actually, hmm. I like listening to um, George Perez stories, which is also he's a comedian. He's a he's a hardcore cholo. Loves, uh, he, he loves smoking out, you know, he does a lot of funny, st- he has tons of funny <laughs> stories, man. Uh, there's that one, there's the, uh, 
the campfire stories, which is just basically um, um, people retell ghost stories, things that have happened to them and stuff like that. Um, or not necessarily that. It could be anything supernatural. Cool. Yeah. Um, and also want to point out that I've been listening to 220 Volt, um, Swedish, uh, new wave of British heavy metal band. Um, you guys underrated may, might want to check them out. What are they called? 220? 220 Volt. 220 Volt? Volt. 220 Volt. Yeah. Uh, I've never heard of them. Check them out. Their first self-titled album, I think, is just outstanding. Nice. Yeah, myself, I just... um, Has anyone seen... Do you follow the Polyphonic channel on YouTube? No. Uh, One of their latest uh, episodes was about uh, the music during the Vietnam era. And I watched that and was reminded how much great music came out that time. Um, and I started listening to going back and listening to some more of it. Um, CCR, like the the animal, the animals, CCR, Rolling Stones. Yeah, um, yeah, a, l- a lot of good stuff. So I've been kind of starting to go back down that rabbit hole. Uh, a lot. Some of those old old rock bands from it's a lot, yeah. and uh, good stuff. Yeah, that's what I I've think been CCR kind of starting to listen. To. CCR is like all metalheads seem to really love CCR. <laughs> yeah, you know? their their story is cool as shit too. I mean, I know they don't necessarily fall into our category, but um, their story about music rights is, I think, a really important story to tell. We should cover that sometime. Um, you know. Fogarty losing the rights to music and then getting them back and how that all played out and the humanity that it took to get his music back, I think is a really important story in music for sure. And probably important for young people to listen to and really understand. Yeah. And for the listeners who want to dig back into our archives a little bit, go back and find our July 4th episode where we do actually yep, discuss about. Uh, CCR a little bit. A little so, bit, yeah. Nice. A little bit. I'll check. I'll, yeah. I'll actually check that out, guys, too. <laughs> that was a pretty good episode. We were like, what the fuck do we do for 4th of July? And so we kind of, we winged it on that one. And it came, yeah, it, but I really, cool. yeah, it was a good episode. The, the research that we found was, was pretty cool. So I like when that happens. So we have a Patreon page, you guys. Um, you can find the link on our Instagram and in our Facebook group and on our Facebook page. And you can just go to Patreon and search for Metal Rock and Whiskey. We would really, really appreciate your support. Um, there are a lot of costs associated to making a podcast, and we bring this to you commercial free. So we also give away lots of goodies. You can get merch from us. You can get special um, drams of whiskey from us. You can be a guest on the show. You'll get handwritten letters from me. <laughs> I might say really nice things to you, or I might tell you to fuck off. I don't. You'll never know until you Both. become a Patreon. <laughs> I mean, yep. and you get really cool names too. And we give you a shout out on the show. Whether you want to use your first or last name is up to you. <clears throat> Nate. <clears throat> Uh, so become a Patreon. Check us out. We appreciate your support.
And to all of our listeners out there, our fellow metal rock and whiskey obsessors, we do value your opinions and your feedback. Please find us on Instagram at Metal Rock Whiskey. Send us your love, your likes. Please share your thoughts, reviews, questions, suggestions, concerns, and comments about the show. You can also find us all individually on Instagram. Yours truly. You can find me at the Whiskey Obsessor. That is Whiskey. Save the E. Ed. And as always, they can find me on Instagram at Bourbon Geek. Dave, how about you? Where can they find you? Instagram would be at uh, Opeth1000. Facebook is That Metal Podcast. And you can find me on the Sailor Retro everywhere, I think, almost, as Sailor Retro. All right. This was a lot of fun, guys. And I hope you all enjoyed it as much as we did. But now, once again, my, and I think everybody's glass is empty, and it's time to go. Be sure to tip your waitress. We are out. Fuck you, Lars. Yeah, I need more tea. Later. Later, everyone. Fucking tea.